You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. We've got some Patch Tuesday notes with Microsoft and Adobe both offering updates. Kremlinology goes cyber as infrastructure attacks remain under investigation. A cyber company emerges from stealth. The U.S. General Services Administration removes Kaspersky Lab from Schedule 70. Election influence investigations turn to the question of Russian opposition research. And a sheriff of Nottingham call your office because Robin Hood was no winker. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, July 12, 2017. Yesterday was Patch Tuesday, and both Microsoft and Adobe issued security updates for their products. Microsoft's 55 security fixes included updates to Windows, Internet Explorer, Edge, Office, the .NET framework, and Exchange. Among the patches were two that addressed vulnerabilities preempt security found in Microsoft's NT LAN Manager, that's NTLM, that they quietly disclosed to Redmond back in April. Experts advise users of NTLM to address these issues as soon as possible. NTLM is a set of security protocols used for authentication. They're managed through Active Directory's group policy. The vulnerabilities fixed this week both enable credential relay attacks, theft of negotiated NTLM credentials, which are then forwarded to a server for successful authentication. Adobe's patches addressed Flash Player, one fixed a remote code execution bug, and Adobe Connect for Windows. Observers like Brian Krebs make the usual remarks to the effect that users should perhaps simply get rid of Flash entirely at this point. But Flash will no doubt retain many of its users, and those users should pay attention to Adobe and patch Flash promptly. The phishing attempts against U.S. power plants, including most famously the Wolf Creek nuclear facility in Kansas, continue to be generally regarded as Russian in origin. They are affording a good opportunity to observe the young Kremlinological subdiscipline of threat actor tracking, where security intellectuals once looked at the lineup atop Lenin's tomb on May Day for indicators of succession, influence, and personal decline. We now look at reused and repurposed code. The Kremlinological metaphor should be borne in mind when assessing attribution. Kremlinologists often had it right, but they also whiffed on occasion. Who saw Konstantin Chernenko coming, for example, back in the day? A few, maybe, but it's always been an inferential and circumstantial game. 
Wired has a nice scorecard of Russian infrastructure hacking suspects. They draw attention to three. Two of them are relatively well-known, the other more obscure. The first is intelligence-gathering Energetic Bear, also known as Dragonfly, Koala, and Iron Liberty. Energetic Bear has been tracked by security companies CrowdStrike and FireEye since 2014, but is believed to have been active since 2010. It began by distributing the Havex Trojan in watering hole campaigns, then turned to fishing. Energetic Bear seemed initially most interested in collecting against the oil and gas sector, but also showed interest in electrical power. Energetic seemed to become less energetic after it came under scrutiny in 2014, and is held by some to have vanished, but who knows, might just be hibernating. Number two on Wired's list is Sandworm, also known as Telebots or Voodoo Bear, Fancy Bear's GRU cousin. Sandworm is held to be a destructive actor and is generally credited with the Ukraine grid takedowns of the last two and a half years. Sandworm is also thought to be in some fashion behind the recent crash override pandemic. Last comes Palmetto Fusion. This is the quiet one. FireEye has been observing them since 2015, and they, like the other two, have shown an interest in the energy sector. Palmetto Fusion is not only quiet, like Cozy Bear, but is also thought, maybe, to be associated with the FSB, the quieter, more sophisticated agency that's the heir to the old KGB. Fancy is noisy, Cozy is not, so Palmetto Fusion may indeed trace its lineage back to the Lubyanka. In any case, investigation into the attempts on the U.S. grid continue. There's been no effect on operations so far, but experts are warning that the Americans can't count on that forever. Avanti Markets, makers of the food kiosks compromised by hackers, is getting good reviews for their swift and open disclosure of the issue. The compromise included both pay card and biometric information. In industry news, a security startup emerged from stealth this morning as Edgewise Networks announced itself in Burlington, Massachusetts. Edgewise Networks' announced goal is to focus on trusted application networking. The company is backed by three venture capital firms, Dot 406 Ventures, Accomplice, and Pillar. Kaspersky Lab has been under a congressional cloud for some weeks as various members have made noises about banning the Russia-based security company and its widely used products from U.S. federal, especially defense, systems. Following reports by McClatchy and most recently Bloomberg that Kaspersky has done business with Russian state security organs, the company has been removed from two GSA procurement vehicles. After review and careful consideration, the U.S. General Services Administration says it has removed Kaspersky from Schedule 70, which covers IT, and Schedule 67, which includes procurement of photographic equipment and related supplies and services. It's not, as some have reported, an outright ban, and there's no statement on the GSA site that connects the removal with allegations that Kaspersky's in bed with the FSB, but that's how the general media are treating the matter. Agencies will remain free to hire Kaspersky under other contract vehicles, but the action does remove an easy avenue for the company to sell into the federal government. Kaspersky denounces the Bloomberg story about the company's alleged connection to FSB as a politically motivated hack job. Congressional interest in restricting Kaspersky continues unabated, and some observers see the GSA action as a Trump administration shot across Russia's bow. The story is developing, and it's worth noting that there are at least two issues here. 
it would be difficult, not impossible, but difficult, to find major security companies that don't do work for their home country's intelligence or law enforcement agencies. But doing that sort of work doesn't necessarily mean that a company is selling out the rest of its customers to the cops and spies. So the story will bear watching. Investigation of election influence operations continues in the U.S. Donald Trump Jr.'s campaign season email exchanges with Russian sources of opposition research receive foreseeable scrutiny. Finally, a radio station in the U.K., in Nottinghamshire to be precise, has been suffering interference by someone playing the 1978 novelty hit The Winker's Song over and over. That's the title that appeared on the single's cover. It's unclear whether it's a case of hacking or jamming. As some reports suggest, the Winker fan is using a pirate radio transmitter. We assume the sheriff of Nottingham is on the case. Our UK desk insists this is a story because they say it illustrates a trend, the convergence of cyber and electronic attack, reminding us that at the beginning of the first Gulf War, U.S. airstrikes announced that the campaign had begun by flying in behind jammers, playing the clashes, rock the casbah, and so on. Maybe. But the fact that the UK desk has enthusiastically pointed out that the Winkers song foreshadowed similarly themed hits by The Vapors in 1980, Cyndi Lauper in 1983, and The Divinals in 1990 makes us think our UK desk is still mentally and probably emotionally in the 10th grade. Either that or aspiring pop music historians. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, welcome back. Uh, we had a story come by from uh, Security Affairs, and I uh, was talking about a side channel attack on uh, some RSA encryption. They were claiming that they can crack 1024-bit RSA encryption. Uh, bring us up to date here. What's going on? 
So this is an example of a side channel attack where basically uh, the attacker is using information uh, that they're obtaining by watching the execution of the algorithm, uh, say if they have a virus running on the same machine that the algorithm is executing on, and by looking at uh, very small differences in the timing that various parts of the algorithm take, it turns out that it's possible to extract bits of information uh, that allow them to recover the secret key for 1024-bit RSA, as you say. And uh, one of your colleagues at the University of Maryland had a hand in this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, actually, uh, Daniel Genkin is one of the co-authors of the paper describing this work, and he's currently a postdoc, uh, splitting his time, actually, working with me at the University of Maryland uh, and also working with uh, Professor Nadia Henninger at the uh, University of Pennsylvania. So how big a deal is this? Is this something to be taken seriously, or is this more of a, an academic kind of thing? Well, I, it's a little bit mixed, actually. So it's, it's something to be taken seriously from the point of view that there are actually deployed products uh, in particular, the uh, GNU PG uh, crypto library that uh, are, are vulnerable to this attack. And they've uh, ended up patching their system and, and fixing the bug that led to this attack. So uh, they, they certainly took it seriously. On the other hand, the uh, conditions that an attacker would need in order to carry out this attack are pretty severe. And like I said earlier, the attacker would be uh, basically have to be running on the same machine that the uh, cryptography was being executed on, which is, which you know, if that's the case, if you have an attacker running on your machine, you probably have bigger problems to worry about. Right, right. So it, they're probably more practical ways to get what you need if you already have full access to the machine itself. Yeah, potentially. I think that this is uh, one in a line of work that highlights the uh, potential uh, problems that can occur. When you're implementing cryptography in the cloud, you might have actually different uh, users' programs being run on the same physical machine. And it's potentially possible in that case that an attacker running on the same machine as an honest user uh, would be able to uh, get the information that's needed to carry out this attack in that case as well. All right. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Now I'd like to tell you about some research from our sponsor, Delta Risk. We all depend on the power grid. You've heard a lot over the last few months about the grid's vulnerability. Crash override, in particular, threw a scare into the energy distribution sector. It's a real threat, and its masters demonstrated what they can do last December in Ukraine. Even a minor disruption to the power grid could be devastating to all of us. Download Delta Risk's new white paper, Cybersecurity and the Grid, The Definitive Guide, for insight into how the North American power grid works, an overview of current regulations, and a look at potential cyber threats. You'll find the guide at deltarisk.com slash grid hyphen whitepaper. Delta Risk LLC, a Chertoff Group company, is a global provider of strategic advice, cybersecurity, and risk management services to commercial and government clients. Learn more about Delta Risk by visiting deltarisk.com, and while you're there, get that guide to cybersecurity for the grid. It's deltarisk.com slash grid hyphen white paper. And we thank Delta Risk for sponsoring our show. DEFCON and Black Hat are coming up, and if you've never been, chances are you might be a bit unsure of what to expect. Jenny Kay is a researcher at Cisco, and she's put together a webinar to help trade show first-timers. It was very intimidating the first time I was there. I didn't speak to anybody my first DEF CON, really. I tried to blend in and keep to myself and figure out what was going on. And I don't want anyone to have that kind of experience, because there is actually, I've discovered through the years, 
there's so much more to see at DEF CON and it's so much better when you do speak to people. And I just wasn't sure who was safe to talk to and, and where to go and what to do. And so I, I just want everyone else to have a better experience than my first experience at DEF CON. So give us an idea, what can people expect from this, uh, this online panel you put together? So a lot of questions I hear are about what are the difference between Black Hat and DEF CON and do I need to do both? Or um, there's also besides Las Vegas and uh, some of the smaller co-located parties and conferences. And so I, I have a diverse group on the panel to explain sort of who belongs where and if you're interested in which topics, maybe which villages or which uh, parties to hit or not to hit, as well as, you know, how do I stay safe in Vegas amongst all these hackers? Now, uh, is this panel specifically targeting uh, women who are taking their first trip out there or can anyone uh, tune in? We welcome anybody to tune in. Uh, The panel does happen to be six ladies um, whom I've all met and worked with, and we all have a very different, diverse opinion. Uh, So while there will be tips specific to women, just a few, the safety tips really apply to everybody about keeping your drinks safe and, um, you know, shady characters that may approach you. And we'll give examples of of the types and experiences that we've either had or have friends who have encountered at DEF CON. So give us the details here. When is the, uh, the panel? How can people take part? So our panel is this Thursday, July 13th at 1 in the afternoon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Central. And for those in New Zealand, like our panelist Kate, it's actually July 14th, Friday morning at 8 a.m. New Zealand time. We know DEF CON is a very global event and people come in from all over. So we try to accommodate a variety of uh, perspectives and time zones. They can register for the webinar. There's a link from my tweet at TXJennyK, just the link from my pinned tweet. Okay, so check out your Twitter account, and uh, that's the quickest way to find out how to sign up. Yes. And once again, that Twitter account is at TXJennyK. That's J-E-N-N-I-E-K. That's Jenny Cam from Cisco. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. 
I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.